Welcome to today's reading of the scriptures. Good morning, fired up. I hope you're excited. Uh, with God, all things are possible. Matthew 19, 26. Scriptures for, uh, for anxiety, fear, depression, disorders, anything that might be disturbing you. Please listen intently. Listen to these words. We got a relaxing piano in the background, calming waterfall sounds, birds, my voice. Huh. What can top that? Okay, our first scripture, this is for healing. It's out of Malachi 4.2. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go forth and grow up as cows of the stall. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are our shepherd. We shall not want, Lord. You make us lie down in green pastures, and you lead us besides the still waters. You restore our souls. You lead us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Yes, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil, for you are right beside us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort us. Lord, you have prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies. You have anointed our head with oil. Our cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy and loving kindness shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Let us quote Psalm 103 verses 1 through 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of His benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all all your diseases who redeems your life from destruction who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles Let me try that again. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Amen. Moving right along with other scriptures, we have Galatians chapter 3, 13 to 14. 
Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hanging on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. There it is, folks. Believe it. Let us receive our benefits. Romans 8, 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit also help our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought to. But the Spirit itself make it intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Precept upon precept, prayer upon prayer, little by little, acknowledging and praising the Lord, do we move to God's ultimate will. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. Romans 8.2 But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Let us imagine a five-gallon water glass jug. And in it, there's about two and a half gallons of the blood of Jesus in it. Can you see it? Please use your imagination. 30 seconds. I need for you to do it for 30 seconds. See the blood in it and ask. Jesus came to give me abundant life. He left his blood. How will the blood heal me? How will the blood help me? There's power in the blood. See the blood. See the blood in the container is there for us. Pour some on a cup of the blood. Put it in your temple, in your forehead. Put, put some in your fingers, in your eyes, in your ears. Drink the rest and say, the blood of the Lamb that takes away the sins of the world, that sanctifies us. Thank you, Jesus Christ, for your blood that you shed for us.
the blood of Jesus that heals, restores, sanctifies, establishes, seals us, seals us with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Now, let us go ahead and partake of the water, the wonderful water, the pristine water that Jesus was baptized in. The water that flowed from his side mixed with the blood. Let us say wonderful water and let us partake and drink of some of that water. And now for the word of God. Second Chronicles 26.5 says, And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. We are seeking the Lord with our imaginations, with our willpower. And we are understanding the visions that God has given us. And as long as we seek the Lord with his word, God will make us to prosper. That's a promise, Lord. That's a promise. Thank you. Nehemiah 2.20 Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore we his servants will arise and build. But you have no portion, no right, no memorial in Jerusalem. Job 22:25 Yeah, the Almighty shall be thy defense and thou shalt have plenty of silver. Psalm 1 Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Psalm 13:6. I will sing unto the Lord, because he has dealt bountifully with me. Again, we will sing unto the Lord all day because he, the Lord, has done bountifully with us. Amen. The Lord is our shepherd, we shall not want. Deuteronomy 29.9 Keep therefore the words of this covenant and do them, that you may prosper in all that you do. And Joshua 1.8 this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest absorb to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord smile on you and lift up his counts and give you peace today. In Jesus' mighty name, go in peace.
Welcome to today's podcast. Let us go ahead and open this meeting with a moment of silence followed by the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. All right, now let's go ahead and give ourselves a blessing for today. We have we find a scripture in Matthew twenty six forty one that says, "Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is will- willing, but the flesh is weak. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak." All right, let me read that one more time. Say out loud, Matthew twenty six forty one. Matthew twenty six forty one says, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Poke yourself on your chest. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Matthew twenty six forty one. So let's go ahead and uh let's watch and let's pray. <clears throat> and we will not fall into temptation. We've been warned. Okay, and the way we do this, you may have to say 10 Our Fathers out loud in your car, shouting them. That always works, folks. It always uh, works. Here we go, the Our Father. Let's let's go ahead and say our three of them to get our day started. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Okay, let's go ahead and I'm going to say it a little different. I'm going to use debts. Okay, and then on the third, our father, we're going to use sins. And we're going to cut it just like I did right now. Thank you. Ready? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Okay, now the third one. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory. Excuse me. Amen. I messed up. And deliver us from temptation Keep us from evil. Amen. Okay, folks, I chopped it up. That's what I get for changing it around. But remember our key verse that the the fruit and the reward of doing this is on Psalm 19. Excuse me, Psalm 31, verse 19 says, Lord, how wonderful you are. You have stored up so many good qualities for us. Like a treasure chest, heaped up and spilling over with blessings. All for those who honor and worship you. 
You do this to us all and everyone watching. Amen. Amen. Let's put that in our tea this morning and drink it. Have a great day, family. Give them heaven. Hope for today, Elanon, October the 13th. One day at a time seems so simple, yet it is the most challenging slogan for me. I often worry about tomorrow. I don't worry so much about how other people will react to me. Instead, I worry about how I'll handle myself in a given situation. Will I have the courage to stand up for my beliefs, my rights, or my needs? Step 11 encouraged me to seek my highest power's will for me and the power to carry it out. The essence of knowing my highest power's will for me in the context of living one day at a time means I'll know the right thoughts, feelings, words, and actions at any given moment. Having the power to carry it out means I will be provided with those qualities needed, willingness, courage, patience, joy, to transform the knowledge into action at any given moment. The real test came when I faced with a frightening situation in a courtroom. I didn't know what to say, but my higher power did. I turned my fears over and I asked for the right words, and they were supplied. I survived the ordeal because I trusted that my higher power would give me what I needed when I needed it. Thought for the day. My higher power already has the answers to all the questions or needs I'll ever have. To ask is to open the door and let the answers into my awareness. We can rest assured that the answers, choices, actions, and thoughts we need will come to us when the time is right because we have placed them in the hands of our higher power. How Elena Works for Families and Friends of Alcoholics, page 76. And reading Courage for today, October the 13th. Courage to Change, excuse me. Eleanor meetings opened my eyes to something I had never thought about before. Shouting and slamming doors were not the best way to handle an already difficult situation. While there may be no harm in occasion letting off steam with a raised voice, shouting can become a destructive habit. I never thought to ask myself if this was how I wanted to behave. Did this behavior get me what I wanted or encourage me to feel good about myself? When I took a good look, I realized that the answer to this question was no. Loud, angry words and actions demonstrate my frustration and pushed away all hopes for peaceful solutions to my problems. The slogan that helps me back to a rational state of mind is, easy does it. When I use this slogan to quiet myself on the inside, it is easier to quiet the outside as well. Today's reminder, I am seeking a saner approach to everything I encounter. The slogans can be valuable sources of sanity in chaotic situations. Today, if I am tempted to act out of anger or frustration, I will remember that 
easy does it. I will try to reply easy does it to every incident that might increase the tension and cause an explosion. One day at a time in hell now. One day at a time in Elnon, October 13th. We come together in Elnon group for the purpose of sharing experience, strength, and hope with each other. This we do by attending meetings, discussing, listening, counseling, telephoning each other for comfort and renewal of confidence. It is wonderful to know that this close communication, this keeping in touch, is not limited to the members of of a single group. It embraces the whole world. This message came to the United States from the publication of the Alanine Groups of South Africa. Today's reminder, learn to face things as they come, and when they come with calm deliberation, we may not be able to control events, but we can control out our attitude towards them. This clear message from a faraway continent will inspire Alnon people everywhere in their search for serenity. It demonstrates how closely akin we are in a relationship, in a loving fellowship. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. For we are members of one another. Ephesians. Thank you for listening one day at a time. God bless you today. Let us pray out with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. October 13. Limitless love. Fragrant and free. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. John 15, 1 through and 3. New American Standard. All the fruit of the Spirit, including the fruit of love, are abiding within us if we're made Jesus our Lord. But for that fruit to come forth in its fullness, we have to be pruned. God has to cut away the dead branches of the flesh that cling to us and get in our way. He has to cleanse us from the stinking thinking we've gotten from the world. How does he do that? With his word as Ephesians 5.26 says, He cleanses us with the washing of water by the Word. He doesn't just wash us once or twice either. He does it again and again and again. 
That's because, spiritually speaking, we live in a dirty world. We live in a culture driven by selfishness and fear. Our minds are constantly bombarded with the lies of the devil. Like, give someone an inch and they'll take a mile. You have to look out for yourself first. You have to push others out of the way to get ahead. Even when we don't realize it, that kind of thinking is trying to cling to us. It tries to contaminate our hearts and keeps us from yielding to the Spirit's flow. Although selfishness isn't in, in us, it gets us it gets on us and it will hinder our walk of love unless we wash it off. That's why we need to take a spiritual bath every day. God himself will do the cleansing. But we have to get into the water. We have to soak ourselves in his word and apply it to our lives as he directs. Just as we take a bar of soap and scrub our dirty knees after a day in the garden, we need to pay vigorous attention to what the Word has to say about us. We need to hear it, agree with it, and obey it. Naturally speaking, most of us wouldn't dream of allowing even a day to go by without taking a bath. We certainly wouldn't put off showering for a week. Why? Because we get dirty and before long we start to stink. When we neglect the Word for a few days, the same thing happens to us spiritually. The smell of the world starts to saturate our thinking and we begin to stink. Instead of being patient and kind, we get short-tempered short and snappy. We start focusing on what others can do for us instead of what we can do for them. So keep yourself spiritually fragrant and free of that kind of thinking. Let God continually cleanse you with the washing of the water by the word. I was Gloria Copeland. Limitless love. Hope for today. Elanon. October the 13th. One day at a time seems so simple, yet it is the most challenging slogan for me. I often worry about tomorrow. I don't worry so much about how other people will react to me. Instead, I worry about how I'll handle myself in a given situation. Will I have the courage to stand up for my beliefs, my rights, or my needs? Step 11 encouraged me to seek my highest power's will for me and the power to carry it out. The essence of knowing my highest power's will for me in the context of living one day at a time means I'll know the right thoughts, feelings, words, and actions at any given moment. Having the power to carry it out means I will be provided with those qualities needed, willingness, courage, patience, joy, to transform the knowledge into action at any given moment. The real test came when I faced with a frightening situation in a courtroom. I didn't know what to say, but my higher power did. I turned my fears over and I asked for the right words, and they were supplied. I survived the ordeal because I trusted that my higher power would give me what I needed when I needed it. Thought for the day. My higher power already has the answers to all the questions or needs I'll ever have. 
to ask is to open the door and let the answers into my awareness. We can rest assured that the answers, choices, actions, and thoughts we need will come to us when the time is right because we have placed them in the hands of our higher power. How Elena Works for Families and Friends of Alcoholics, page 76. And reading Courage for today, October the 13th. Courage to Change, excuse me. Elanon meetings opened my eyes to something I had never thought about before. Shouting and slamming doors were not the best way to handle an already difficult situation. While there may be no harm in occasion letting off steam with a raised voice, shouting can become a destructive habit. I never thought to ask myself if this was how I wanted to behave. Did this behavior get me what I wanted or encourage me to feel good about myself? When I took a good look, I realized that the answer to this question was no. Loud, angry words and actions demonstrate my frustration and push away all hopes for peaceful solutions to my problems. The slogan that helps me back to a rational state of mind is, easy does it. When I use this slogan to quiet myself on the inside, it is easier to quiet the outside as well. Today's reminder. I am seeking a saner approach to everything I encounter. The slogans can be valuable sources of sanity in chaotic situations. Today, if I am tempted to act out of anger or frustration, I will remember that easy does it. I will try to apply easy does it to every incident that might increase the tension and cause an explosion. One day at a time in Elna. One day at a time in Elna, October 13th. We come together in Al-Anon group for the purpose of sharing experience, strength, and hope with each other. This we do by attending meetings, discussing, listening, counseling, telephoning each other for comfort and renewal of confidence. It is wonderful to know that this close communication, this keeping in touch, is not limited to the members of, of a single group. It embraces the whole world. This message came to the United States from the publication of the Alanine Groups of South Africa. Today's reminder, learn to face things as they come, and when they come with calm deliberation, we may not be able to control events, but we can control out our attitude towards them. This clear message from a faraway continent will inspire Al-Anon people everywhere in their search for serenity. It demonstrates how closely akin we are in a relationship, in a loving fellowship. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, for we are members of one another. Ephesians. Thank you for listening one day at a time. God bless you today. Let us pray out with the Lord's Prayer. 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. Welcome to today's Bible study. Today we're going to be reading some uplifting scriptures, some good scriptures that make us think and enjoy our existence, our travels. Let's go ahead and pray the Psalm 23. Let's pray uh, Psalm 23 for our family members. The Lord is the shepherd of our family. They shall not want. The Lord makes them lie down in green pastures. The Lord leads them beside the still waters and restores their soul. The Lord leads them beside still waters and restores their soul. The Lord makes them walk in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yes, so they walk through the valley of the shadow of death. They will fear no evil, for the Lord God is right beside them. His rod and His staff, they comfort Him. The Lord has prepared a table before them in the presence of their enemies. The Lord has anointed their head with oil, their cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy and loving kindness shall follow all these family members. All the way to heaven, in Jesus' name, amen. Paraphrase, of course, by Fernando. Welcome. Thank you for coming in and listening to the Word of God. We're doing it. We're getting it done. We've got in the heavens. We ask you to bless our family members, Lord God. Lord Jesus, we lift everyone to you. We put them in your arms, Jesus, that you may fix them, Jesus. You know what they need. Fix them, Jesus, that they will never be a problem again. Fix them, Jesus. Educate them. Instruct them. Whatever you need to do, Lord Jesus, hold them in your arm, sanctify them, fix our family members as well as ourselves. In your name we pray, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us go ahead and take time to acknowledge the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's see if we can see it. See the blood dripping from the face of Jesus for about 30 seconds. You see the blood coming down. The blood is pouring from his forehead, down his head. He's got bruises and and cuts. His hair is full of blood. The blood is coming down. See the blood. I see the blood being collected in a jar. All the blood of Jesus Christ that he left on this earth for us. So that we can be whole, we can be clean. We put that blood in our forehead. We put that blood in the temples, in our ears, and our eyes. We smear our head with the blood of Jesus Christ. Our arms, our necks. Thank you, Jesus. Our feet, our thumbs. 
we acknowledge the blood of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we thank you for the wonderful water, the water you were baptized in. Wonderful water, full of miracles. We thank you for it. And now, let us, amen. And now let us go ahead and read the promises of God. The word of God. Which is able to save our souls. John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. John 16, John 3, 16 and 17. 2 Peter 1, 4. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. For 2 Peter 1.4 Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these promises we might be partakers of his divine nature. 2 Peter 1.4 If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 7 and 9 Lord, we, uh, we ask you to forgive us of all our sins. Lord, we repent if there's any sin lurking in our hearts, Lord. Any malice, any irritability. Lord, we just confess, Lord. We cleanse our hearts and our minds and our souls, Lord. Wash our souls with, and minds with the blood of Jesus Christ. Wash our souls with the water, Lord God. With the water of the word, Lord, wash us clean. Restore us, Lord. Restore us once again, Lord, to right thinking and right living with you, Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. For he shall direct your paths. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither the desolation of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord shall be your confidence and shall keep your foot from being caught. Proverbs 3, 25 and 26. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to everyone liberally and without reproach. And it shall be given, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. James 1, 5 and 6. Ask, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. For everyone that asks receives, and they that seek find. And for those that knock, it shall be opened. Matthew 7, 7 and 8. 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Matthew 5, 3 and 5. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Psalms 23, 1 and 3. The Lord is close, is nigh unto all them that call upon him. All who call upon him in truth, he will fulfill the desires of them who fear him. He will also hear their cry and save them. Psalms 145, 18, 19. And I will give peace in the land, and you shall lie down, and none of you shall make you afraid. And I will rid evil beasts out of the land, neither shall the sword go through your land. Leviticus 26, 6. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. John 14, 1-3. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others who have no hope. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13, 16, and 17. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world sees me no more. But you see me, because I live, you shall live also. John 14, 18, and 19. You will keep in perfect peace the one whose mind is steadfast on you. Because he trusts in you, trust in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. Matthew 6, 25 and 26. Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body that you what you shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment behold the falls of the air for they sow not neither do they reap nor gather into the barns yet your heavenly father feeds them are you not much better than they Matthew 6:25 and 26 Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, 
Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, verses 4, 6, and 7. Psalm 72, 17 says, His name shall endure forever. His name shall be continued as long as the sun, and people shall be blessed in him. All nations shall call him blessed. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand and will keep you and give you a covenant of the people for a life of the Gentiles. Isaiah 42.6 Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is, for that person shall be as a tree planted by the waters and that spreads out its roots by the river and shall not see when he heat comes, but its leaf shall be green. Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. And you shall seek me and find me when you shall search me for me with all your heart. Jeremiah 29, 11 and 13. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. Psalm 27, 1 verse 5. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassion fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him to the soul that seeks him. Lamentations 3, 25 and, 22 and 25. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Matthew 5, 6 and 8. The righteous show mercy and give, for such as he blessed of the Lord shall inherit the earth. The steps of good people are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in their way. I have been young, and now I am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his children begging bread. Psalms 37, 21, 23, and 25. The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, faints not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Isaiah 40, 28 and 29. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. 
they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. To those who overcome will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and I'm sat down with my Father in his throne. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. When wisdom enters into your heart and knowledge is pleasant unto your soul, discretion shall preserve you, understanding shall keep you. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and return not there but water the earth, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me empty. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Daniel 12, verses 2 and 3. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor heights, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to, to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8, 38 and 39. Standing on the promises that cannot fail, when the howling storms of doubt and fear assail, by the living word of God I shall prevail. Standing on the promises of God, by Kelso Carter. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you, lift up this countenance unto you, and give you peace. Go in the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ. Chapter 5, John, King James Version. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem of the sheep market a pool, which is called the Hebrew tongue, Bethsaida, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of important folk, impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. 
For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in the and was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty-eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he said unto him, Will thou be made whole? The important man answered him, Sir, I have no man, when the water is troubled, to put me in the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked, and not and on that same day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. He answered them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. Then they asked him, What man is that which say unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? And he that was healed was not who it was. For Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. Afterwards, Jesus finded him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest the worse things come unto thee. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. But Jesus answered them, My father worketh here thereto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but he also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For that thing, soever he doeth, these also does the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and show him all things that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these, that you might marvel. For as the Father raised up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. For the Father judgeth no man, but has committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father, which has sent him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me has everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, The hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father has life in himself, so has he given to the Son to have life in himself, and has given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which 
all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another that bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnessed is me is true. There is another that bear witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. You sent John, and he bore witness unto the truth. But I receive not no testimony from man. But these things I say that you might be saved. He was a burning and shining light, and you were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. But I have greater witness than that of John for the works which the Father has given me to finish. The same works that I do bear witness to me that the Father has sent me. And the Father himself which has sent me has borne witness of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his shape. You have not his word abiding in you. For whom he has sent him, you believe not. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. And you will not come to me that you might have life. I receive not honor from men, but I know you, that you have not the love of God in you. I am come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you shall receive. How can you believe which receive honor one to another, and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuses you, even Moses, in whom you trust. For had you believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if you believe not his writings, how shall you believe my words? Reading the King James, John chapter 5, verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there in Jerusalem is the chief market, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue, Bethsaida, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, a blind halt wither, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty-eight years. 
When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he said unto him, Will thou be made whole? The important man answered him, said, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me in the pool, but while I'm coming, another step down before me. Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. He answered him, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. Then asked they him, What man is that which said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? And he that was healed wist not who it was. For Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. After Jesus finded him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. But Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Then answered Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing according of himself. The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do, for what things soever he doeth, these also does the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth, and he will show him greater works than these, that you may marvel. For as the Father raised up the dead, and quickeneth them, even so the Son quicketh whom he will. For the Father judgeth no man, but has committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as thy honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father which has sent him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believe on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear that shall live. For as the Father has life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, and has given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in that which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice, and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil 
unto the resurrection of damnation. I can of my own self do nothing as I hear. I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another that bear witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnessed of me is true. You sent unto John, and he bear witness unto the truth. But I received not testimony from man, but these things I say that you might be saved. He was a burning and a shining light, and you were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. But I have greater witness than that of John. For the works which the Father has given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. And the Father himself which has sent me has borne witness of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his shape, and you have not his word abiding in you. For whom he has sent him you believe not. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And you will not come to me that you might have life. I receive not honor from men, but I know you that you have not the love of God in you. I am come in my Father's house. I am come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you shall receive. How can you believe which receive honor of one of another and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? Do not think that I will cause you to accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuses you, even Moses, in whom you trust. For had you believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if you believe not his writings... How shall you believe my words? The Victim's Voice Chicken Soup for the Unsinkable Soul A frightened woman speaks hauntingly to Julie Albon, a 31-year-old deputy prosecutor. Julie nods sympathetically as Lisa describes the night her boyfriend punched her in the eye. It was one blow too many in their turbulent relationship. For the first time, Lisa called the police. Now she must decide whether to speak out against the father of her baby, a man she says she still loves, or go home and forgive him once again. Julie's advice is firm. You don't want to stay with your boyfriend unless he gets counseling. She says, leaning forward in her wheelchair, I'm very familiar with domestic violence. I'm in this chair because my ex-boyfriend tried to kill me. Jared, out of her own dilemma, Lisa asked, Oh my God, what happened? I was breaking up with him, Julie answers, and he shot me in the back. That bullet shattered Julie's spine, paralyzing her below the waist. But she did not let it shatter her spirit. Instead, she used her anger, pain, and frustration 
is fuel to launch a legal career and a personal crusade against domestic violence. Since joining the Long Beach District Attorney's Office in 1993, she has prosecuted thousands of domestic violence cases, handling as many as 25 a day, mostly on behalf of women battered by their husbands and boyfriends. Only 15 of these cases have gone to trial. Most defendants plead no contest, then undergo counseling. Amazingly, although Julie is a tough advocate, she is not a wild-eye adventure. Julie once enjoyed a gilded life among the California elite as the daughter of a wealthy orthopedic surgeon and a former teacher. In the fall of 1987, during her senior year at university, Julie began dating a childhood playmate named Brad. Brad was then 23 at one time National Junior Tennis Championship, who was literally the boy next door. At first, Julie felt she had found a soulmate. Brad was a sensitive, so sensitive, she says. He would cut roses from his parents' garden and bring them to my mother. He adored my father and even asked if he could call him dad. But Brad's feelings intensified too quickly for Julie. He began clinging to her oppressively and pressing her for marriage. However, neither she nor her family recognized Brad's behavior as a real obsession. Everyone assumed his feelings would pass. Just before midnight in June 1988, in the family room of the Albans Hacienda-style home, Julie broke off the affair. I'll always love you. I'll always be your friend, she told him, and you'll always be welcomed by my family. Brad's apartment was 45 minutes away, so Julie invited him to sleep in the guest room. At 7 o'clock in the morning, she heard her bedroom door open. I pretended to be asleep, and I heard this tremendously loud blast, and I was thrown to the floor. A moment later, Brad pointed the gun at his own chest and fired. Julie watched in horror and shock, not really aware that she had been wounded. She screamed for her parents, asleep at the other end of the house. When they didn't respond, she dragged herself to the next room where she called 911. Finally, waking up to Julie's screams, her father raced down the hall and gave CPR to the bleeding young man until paramedics arrived. Only then did he realize that Julie, still lying on the floor, was also in danger. Dad, I can't move my legs, Julie whimpered. When her father rolled her over, her spinal fluid was seeping out. Compounding his distress, Julie's father realized his daughter had been shot with his own pistol. He belonged to the county sheriff's reserve, and he had invited Brad to the firing range the day before, afterwards leaving the gun in his unlocked car. Julie and Brad were rushed to the hospital where they laid in the emergency rooms separate by a thin curtain. Julie overheard the doctor say Brad will survive. She told her mother through angry sobs, he's going to walk out of here, I'm, and I'm never going to walk again. Discharged from the hospital two weeks later, Brad was arraigned for attempted murder. His wealthy parents, members of the same Long Beach elite, posted the $500,000 bail, and he went home without serving any jail time.
Julie, meanwhile, began physical therapy. I've been an active young woman ready to take on the world, she says, and here I was having to learn what to do if I fell in the shower. After a month, Julie, too, went home. One day, as she lay anguishing and immobile, she heard a familiar repetitive whoomp through her bedroom window. It was the sound of Brad swatting tennis balls on his private court next door. At his trial in December 1980, Brad claimed that he had been despondent over gambling deaths and had shot Julie accidentally after overdosing on Valium. Unmoved, the jury convicted him. Ultimately, he served half of a 14-year prison term before his release on parole. He has since married. Julie last saw Brad in prison eight years ago behind a glass partition. I wanted to hear him say I'm sorry, she said. Instead, Brad told the woman he had paralyzed for life, the worst part of this is I know your father hates me. With Brad behind bars, Julie got on with her life, a very different life than before. She could no longer participate in the usual social activities of her circle of girlfriends. Friendship that had been based mostly, as she recalls, on playing tennis and shopping for cocktail dresses. Instead, Julie learned to operate a special equipped car, although spasms of pain preventing her from driving it. And in 1990, she entered law school, a lifelong dream. Despite chronic pain, eventually eased by surgery to remove bullet and bone fragments from her spinal canal, Julie fulfilled her ambitions. She even took one final exam while recuperating on a gurney, graduating on time in 1993. After passing the bar exam, Julie applied for a job with the district attorney's office. I told my future boss that I would be the most determined prosecutor he ever hired. She says, because I had a personal commitment to victims, he wasn't going to find in other people. About that, even her legal adversaries agree. The biggest problems a part persecution has in these cases is that most victims recant, says Bill Hoffman, a public defender who has battled Julie in domestic violence cases. But Julie Album helps these women find a voice. Lisa appears to be one of them. After speaking with Julie, she agreed to confront her boyfriend in court. He pleaded no contest to misdemeanor domestic violence and was ordered to undergo counseling and perform community service. He can't just smack me whenever he doesn't like what I say, Lisa declares, with new firmness and self-respect. I can't let what happened to Julie happen to me. Richard Jerome The Victim's Voice, page 206 on courage and determination, chicken soup, the unsickable soul. Chicken soup for the couple's soul, love stories, inspirational. The Promise One evening I found myself at a conference in Washington, D.C., and as fate would have it, 
Bucky Fuller happened to be making a presentation that evening at another conference in the very same hotel. I got to the to the ballroom in time to hear the end of Bucky's lecture. I was in awe of this little man in his 80s with his clear mind, deep wisdom, and boundless energy. At the end of the talk, we walked together through the underground parking lot to his airport limousine. I got to go to New York City tonight for another presentation, he said, looking at me with an anxiousness that I had rarely seen Bucky. You know, Annie's not doing well. I'm very concerned about her. We hugged. Bucky Fuller had once confided to me that he had promised his wife, Annie, to die before she did, so that he could be there to welcome her when it was her turn. I took the comment as a hope, not a commitment, which shows how greatly I underestimated Bucky Buckminster Fuller. Shortly after Bucky's presentation in New York, he learned that Annie had lapsed into a coma in a hospital in Los Angeles. Doctors felt that there was a good chance she would not regain consciousness. Bucky took the first flight he could get. Upon arriving in Los Angeles, he went immediately to Annie's bedside. Sitting beside her, he closed his eyes and quietly died. The power to choose life fully was something that Buckley exemplified, so much so that he had the power to choose death when it was time, peacefully with arms wide open to the universe that he served. It was simply another courageous step forward. Hours later, Annie peacefully joined him in death. He had kept his promise. He was waiting for her. Thomas C. Crum. Fifty ways to love your partner. Love yourself first. Start each day with a hug. Serve breakfast in bed. Say I love you every time you you part ways. Compliment freely and often. Appreciate and celebrate your differences. Live each day as if it was your last. Write unexpected love letters. Plant a seed together and nurture it to maturity. Go on a date once every week. Send flowers for no reason. Accept and love each other's family and friends. Make little signs that say I love you and post them all over the house. Stop and smell the roses. Kiss unexpectedly. Seek out beautiful sunsets together. Apologize sincerely. Be forgiving. Remember the day you fell in love and recreate it. Hold hands. Say I love you with your eyes. Let her cry in your arms. Tell him you understand. Drink toast of love and commitment. Do something arousing. Let her give you direction when you're lost. Laugh at her jokes. Appreciate her inner beauty. Do the other person's chores for a day. Encourage wonderful dreams. 
Commit a public display of affection. Give loving messages with no strings attached. Start a love journal and record your special moments. Calm each other's fears. Walk barefooted on the beach together. Ask her to marry you again. Say yes. Respect each other. Be your partner's biggest fan. Number 40. Give the love your partner wants to receive. Give the love you want to receive. Show interest in others' works. Work on a project together. Build a fort with blankets. Swing as high as you can in a swing set by moonlight. Have a picnic indoors on a rainy day. Never go to bed mad. Put your partner first in your prayers. Kiss each other goodnight. Sleep like spoons. Sleep like spoons. That's from Chicken Soup for a Couple Soul. Our next story is called Saving My Husband's Life. It was a clear Friday morning, August 30th, 1991. My husband, Dean, and I were enjoying a long-planned camping vacation in Montana's Scenic Glacier National Park. Our first trip since his retirement early that year. The previous week, we'd driven from our home in Holland, Michigan, and had explored various areas of the park. Today, we're about to start our eight hiking trip. Do you have your camera? I asked Dean as we stepped from our small pop-up camper. And what about the crackers for lunch? Dean nodded, grinning. Yes, dear, he said teasingly, patting his small backpack. We're ready to go. We started off slowly, enjoying the crisp coolness of the air as we follow a narrow trail up the steep wooded slope. Occasionally, we wave to other campers on the trail or study a distant mountaintop through my binoculars. By 12.30, we had covered almost three miles and decided to stop for lunch. After sharing a simple meal of cheese and crackers, we were about to start back down toward camp when another couple appeared from the trail above us. You shouldn't stop now, the woman called. At least see Iceberg Lake. It's only another couple of miles up the trail. We decided to continue upward as she suggested. It was almost 3 p.m. when we reached Iceberg Lake, placid, crystal clear, surrounded by a dizzying array of brightly colored wildflowers. In keeping with its name, small icebergs floated on its calm surface. Oh, Dean, isn't this beautiful, I exclaimed. We stood hand in hand, drinking in the peaceful scene. After 43 years of marriage, Dean was my best friend as well as my husband. We both grew up in the small South Dakota town. Dean was 16 and I was eight months younger when we met in Sunday school. We started dating and were married within three years. Now, five kids and 15 grandchildren later, we were looking forward for spending our golden years together while we were young enough to enjoy getting out and doing things. At age 62, I felt hardly older than I had at 35, although we had some health problems. Dean was a borderline diabetic and I was on a daily heart medication. Staying active had kept us both in good shape. Leaving Iceberg Lake, Dean and I started re- tracing our steps back down the mountain 
We walked several hundred feet when we came to a bend in the trail. As we rounded the corner, I heard Dean gasp and felt his warming squeeze on my arm. I immediately saw why. Just ahead of us, a mother grizzly and her two half-grown cubs were whirling around, startled to face us. They were less than 40 feet away. The mother's bare ears pointed sharply forward, her eyes fastened on us. Without moving, she emitted a gruff woof, sending her cubs scampering. My God, whispered Dean. Lorraine, I think we're in trouble. Just two nights before, we had attended a park ranger lecture about bears in the wild. Let's get down in a fetal position like they told us. I breathed. We're supposed to play dead. Lowering myself to my knees, I tucked my head down, clasping my hands behind my neck. Beside me, I felt Dean doing the same. But it was too late. I peeked up past my elbows to see the bear charge. She sprang forward with a low, rumbling growl. Her fangs bared, muscles ripping beneath her thick brown coat. She covered the distance between us in three powerful leaps. Her jaws working in an angry, chopping motion. Beside me, Dean drew a sharp breath. Then in horror, I heard his agonizing scream. The grizzly had pounced on him, sinking her teeth into his back and stomach. Gripping him in her jaws, she took him violently from side to side, shook him, then savagely tossed him in the air like a rock doll. He barely hit the ground before she was on him again, growling and biting. I could hear her teeth puncturing his skin, making small popping noises as he shrieked in pain. Still huddled on my knees, I was unable to believe what was happening from the corner of my eyes. I saw the huge animal toss him again, then clamping down on his right hand, she began to drag him away into the brush. Oh, dear God, not like this. He was sobbing, please, not like this. Somehow his despairing plea mobilized me. Within a silent prayer, I stood up and reached toward him. I had nothing to fight with, not even a stick, but as I looked down at my heavy binoculars, I suddenly remember advice my father had given me once, given me years before. When I worked on a farm, which often plagued by wolves and coyotes, if you're ever cornered by a wild animal, Daddy told me, go for its nose, where it's the most sensitive. I determined to use the binocular as a weapon and go for it. Now, I wrap the thick plastic strap firmly around my right hand, then swing the binoculars high in the air, and I charge at the bear. My first blow landed squarely on her broad back nose, black nose. I felt the binoculars hit. I jerked them downward, deliberately scraping them along her snout. She flinched but didn't release Dean. Lord, help me, I prayed, then raised the binoculars and swung again. Although I could hear my husband moaning at my feet, I didn't dare look down at him. I kept my attention on the bear's nose. Using all my aiming skills from playing golf and horseshoes to make each blow count. Finally, after the fourth blow, the bear dropped Dean's hand and rose in rage to her full seven-foot height. I faced the animal across my husband's bloody body, my eyes level with her chest, her yellow-black claws long and curved with poise in the air just inches from my face. I resisted the impulse to make eye contact, thinking that would further enrage her. Taking a breath of 
I swung the binoculars again. This time, she seemed to see the blow coming with another muffled woof. She abruptly dropped all four and retreated into the brush. I hesitated for a moment, certain she returned to attack me, but as she noisily cracked her way through the thick brush, I realized she was really gone. I finally looked down at Dean. He was lying on his back, his face turned away from me, his right arm still extended above his head. He was moaning softly, his breath coming in rage, gasp, ragged gasp. As I saw for the first time the full extent of his injuries, I went cold with fear. His clothes were shredded, his chest tore open, the gaping wound revealing corded muscles and fatty tissue. His right shoulder bent almost completely away, was bleeding profusely, blood vessels and nerves dangled from his right wrist. His right leg, back, and stomach were also badly gashed. I bent over trying to get his attention. Dean, I said, Dean, it's me. He didn't respond until my third call. Then he turned his head towards me, eyes glazed with pain. He hardly seemed aware of who I was. It's okay now. The bear's gone, I said. He slowly focused on my face. No, it's not, he murdered, tears streaming. I assure him it was true. I got to stop your bleeding, I told him. Just lie still. You'll be okay. Fortunately, I was familiar with basic first aid techniques. Dean had been a part-time volunteer fireman for more than 28 years, and we had often studied his rescue manual together. Now I try to fight off panic and make myself think clearly. His right shoulder and wrist were both spurting blood, which might mean an artery had been cut. I needed to apply some kind of tourniquet. My bra, I thought. Without hesitation, I peeled off my top and unhooked my bra, then pulled the stretchy elastic around his upper arm, making sure it was snug. If the blood didn't start to clot within a few minutes, I used a stick to wind it even tighter. Better for him to lose an arm than to bleed to death, I thought desperately. Then I turned my attention to his chest. I had some tissue in my waist purse and I quickly dropped them into the gasping wound, but it wasn't enough to stop the bleeding. I needed more bandage. I was reaching for my discarded top when Dean said weakly, use my shirt, just help me get it off. I eased him up, pulling his shirt over his head, then ripped the fabric into four inch strips. After binding it his chest and leg, I checked his right arm again. The blood, the blood was starting to clot. Thank God, I thought, easing the tourniquet a bit, I finally took time to pull my top back on. Now that the immediate danger had passed, I felt my determined calm starting to crack. What if the bear decided to turn after all? Dean couldn't walk, and we were four miles from our campsite. I decided my best bet was to start shouting. Eventually, other hikers would surely help me. Help, I shouted repeatedly. Somebody help us! It seemed like an eternity when finally two young men appeared from around the bend. They immediately ran over. My husband's been attacked by a bear, I told them. Can you run for help? I can do it, one of the men said. Dean spoke briefly. Tell the rangers to send a helicopter. The young man nodded then headed off down the trail as a fast trot. It was only after he had left that I remember more advice from the park ranger about traveling in bear country. Don't ever run, it's an open invitation to attack. Wordly, I bit my lip, oh Lord, I pray, please help him save.
Over the next hour, 11 more people came down the trail. They included three nurses, a doctor, a ski patrol paramedic. One nurse gave Dave some pills for pain while the other dressed his wound with clean bandages. It seemed an amazing coincidence to have so many medical professions show up in this remote mountainside. Dean was taken to the hospital in an air ambulance, and since there was not enough room for me and the medics, I followed in a smaller helicopter. By the time I got to the hospital, Dean was already in surgery. It was almost 3 a.m. when his surgeon Worley emerged from the operating room and pulled me aside. Your husband is one lucky man, he said, shaking his head. The bear just missed several major arteries and nerves. He had a very close call. He also told me Dean's deep wounds were required over 200 stitches. Nine days later, Dean was discharged from the hospital and would return home. Now back in Michigan, I'm sometimes still astonished about what happened to us. When I think about how close I came to losing Dean, tears spring to my eyes. But thanks to the mercy of God and a sturdy pair of binoculars, my husband is still alive today. Lorraine Lengik, Lengik as told to Deborah Morris. From Chicken Soup for the Couple's Soul, inspirational stories about love and relationship. Jack Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen.